everyone. Welcome to Resourceful Humans. I'm Corey, your host. And today I have Dima and Ron with me, and we're going to talk about mentorship. They both have very different, different experiences, so I'm excited to hear the diverse opinions and you know, experiences they've had, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. So thank you so much, you guys, for coming on today. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting us. Yes, our pleasure. Thank you, Corey. So why don't you introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your experience and then what you're doing now and why, you know, why you are so passionate about this mentorship topic specifically. Yeah, Dima, okay. you'd like to go first? Thank you. Um, so I'm Dima Gawi. I am a leadership speaker and executive coach. I work with organizations to help them create a healthy and engaging work culture. A lot of my work is focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion, employee engagement, and of course, leadership. Uh, I love these topics, so passionate about them. And uh, a big part of why I love the topic of mentorship is I would not be where I am right now without all the amazing mentors and sponsors that showed up in my life, opened doors, provided me with guidance. Um, and as a result, it's a matter of continuing to give back and help others with similar journeys. Great. Uh, yeah, my name is Ron Kubitz. I am actually a director of HR recruiting for a company called Forms and Surfaces. Uh, we are a manufacturing company here in, uh, should I say, lovely uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Most people don't. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I was actually started off my career on the recruiting side where I was a headhunter for uh, 15 years. And as, as with Dima, the reason why mentorship is really such a passionate topic for me is I don't have a traditional HR background. I didn't go to school for HR. Um, you know, certifications and classes really uh, were, were, were hands-on. And without a good mentorship uh, that I had some folks in, in the local PHRA, Pittsburgh Human Resources uh, chapter, uh, the local SHRM chapter, I had some great mentors there that really taught me a lot about HR you know, outside of my recruiting space. So without those mentors, um, I honestly would not be in, as an HR manager where I'm at now. So definitely an important topic for me as well. I think that's true with almost anyone. If they are successful in where they are and they enjoy it, it's because they had a mentor or mentors along the way that, that got, them, got them to that place in life. So I yes. do think it's necessary to be successful and love what you do. Agreed. So I really think before we start, really get into our conversation, a lot of people want to hear, what, how do you define a mentor? Because I know that it can be defined in so many different ways. Uh, Dima, why don't you go ahead and tell us how you define a mentor? <laughs> so I'm going to cheat. I went online and I, <laughs> I searched by what's the meaning of a mentor. <laughs> and it's simple. It just says an experienced and trusted advisor. So the word advisor is a big deal and the word trusted is a big deal as well. So that's the individual who is um, experienced, knows a lot about the subject matter and is providing guidance to other individuals that are less experienced and helping to uplift them and provide them with the resources, the guidance, uh, the input and feedback to help them in their journey. Yeah, well, that pretty much carried you know, the topic uh, there. So that was an excellent answer. I appreciate that. I guess what I'll add, though, is, you know, when most people, I think, have a misnomer as well when they think about mentorship, where when most people I talk to think about mentorship, they look at it as an old person, quote unquote, talking with a young person. Yeah. And, and again, in, in many cases, that couldn't be, you know, further from the truth. Uh, you know, Dima mentioned the word experience. That's what it is. It's an experienced individual they could be 25 years old, 27 years old, 50 years old, uh, you know, dealing with someone who is newer and fresher in an industry could be 25, or in my case, uh, it was uh, 43 when I first got into uh, HR. So again, it's really an experienced individual mentoring, guiding someone that's less experienced. Age really shouldn't factor. Uh, it's not the only factor that you look at, that's for sure. And it shouldn't at all. And I, I do, I hope that's a stigma we can get past uh, maybe after this conversation too. A lot of people come to that realization that it has nothing to do with age. It, it's the knowledge that's coming from that person and how they're transferring it to someone else. And I especially personally have experienced that uh, experience where just because you're younger, you know, does not mean you're less knowledgeable and less experienced. Yeah. I mean, I know in my, in my case, most of the folks that really were my main mentors were, in most cases, probably 
10 years younger, uh, sometimes in some cases, even more than that, younger than I you know, was, and they were mentoring me. So, uh, and again, they had, they had a lot of wealth of experience in, in the H, a lot of the HR world, which I didn't have. That's true. Well, and looking back now for the both of you, I mean, what, what were qualities about your mentors looking back that you feel were really valuable that, that you didn't even realize then were, were factors that a mentor needs to have? Do you okay, want to start there? Yeah, sure. We need to switch too. We need to give you the opportunity so I can say, oh, just everything Don said too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in my, in my situation, I've been so fortunate. I had absolutely amazing mentors in my life as I was working in the corporate world, but also afterwards when I started my business five years ago. Um, the qual was one of the main quality that I appreciate in them is being so honest and um, direct in their in their feedback. And to me, the reason this is so important is because I want to continue to improve. I want to do a good job. I don't want somebody to go in circles or feel uncomfortable to share input because they're worried I, how I would react to it. Um, the second one is individuals that truly cared. They cared about my growth. And these are individuals that, uh, of course, because they cared, they wanted to help. They saw something in me. They, they, wanted, to, they wanted to help me uh, advance. So that's the second one. And when I think about the third one is they were willing to invest their time and time is a big deal. Like this is, this is a resource that we all don't have a lot of. And when you're talking about investing an hour, even an hour a month with somebody else, that is still a lot of time. Uh, so where they were willing to invest their time and uh, being so generous with their time. Uh, agree. I mean, obviously, it goes without saying, uh, you know, good mentor is going to is going to have the technical skills necessary. You know, they could be someone that you really like and respect, but if they don't really have the technical know how and the technical knowledge, uh, whether it's through work experience, a combination of work experience, or education, you know, they're not going to do you, uh, you know, much good. To have lived, you know, and in this case, HR, or in the case of my company, engineering, design, welding, whatever the case might be, they have to have lived in that world, they have to have the experience in that world, so they can share uh, their knowledge and their insight with uh, other individuals. Uh, but what I think is even more important in many cases is really the personality. Uh, the mentor itself uh, certainly has to have a lot of the qualities that, that Dima said, but they have to have a good and positive personality. They have to want to do it. They, don't, they can't be forced to do it. They have to have a very positive, uh, you know, personality. And one of the experiences that we had at an old company where I worked at is we had a gentleman that was a mentor, excellent technical skills, excellent background. Um, but we really knew up front, very negative person. So, you know, when we would start the mentorship, you know, we weren't getting a lot of traction because we would find out that he would spend, you know, half of the time insulting the boss, saying negative things about the company, um, really talking about, you know, well, there's, there's really no career path here, you know, just really negative things. And, you know, luckily we did, did some surveys. We found out that, you know, these aren't clicking with this individual. So the personality uh, and the, the, the desire is just as important as far as the technical, uh, you know, Dima, as far as I'm, I'm concerned. Mm, I totally agree with you. Yes. Yeah. Because even though they may be sharing important technical knowledge, the, um, but they're also infusing a lot of uh, poison and toxins into, uh, into the new, uh, into the people that they're trying to mentor and it is contagious. Yeah, yeah. And that's the quickest way you can get somebody to not only fail a, a, the mentorship experience, but uh, start looking for another job and, and try to get their feet out the door is when they see other people acting like that, then they're, as Dima mentioned, contagious. They're going to think everybody feels that way. And, you know, I better feel that way myself. And it's not a company that I want to, uh, you know, really work for. And that's why, Ron, one of the things you said that is so important, it is it can't be forced on the individual where the leadership team or HR would go to, uh, to that individual and say, I want you to be a mentor. It, it just can't because there's a lot of other factors that I'm sure we're going to be talking about them right now 
um, so that's why the the person would want to volunteer their time and their positivity mm -hmm. and and all of this. Um, you you started hinting related to like not the two positive qualities of a mentor. And I remember when I first joined um, a company after my MBA, I was so excited, filled with energy. They doubled my salary. They were giving me great benefits. And I was ready to work day and night, like whatever they wanted. And at that time, uh, my team leader, who was acting like a mentor, um, he, uh, he was supposed to provide me a lot of guidance. He, uh, he just kept staring at me and staring at me. And he would not say what he was thinking, but it did not look positive. And then by the end of the week, he said, I can't wait to see this enthusiasm sucked out of you. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> and he was assigned to be my mentor. <laughs> um, so, but that that was interesting because here I am. I was filled with energy and yeah. excitement. But then this individual who hasn't been happy at, at his job, he has not been promoted. Um, it is something I remember. And now it's been uh, close to what seventeen years, and I'm talking about it right now. And you yeah. still remember it. Did he yeah. get? The, he didn't get the chance to see that, obviously. To see the enthusiasm sucked out of me. Yeah. I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it. You still have enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, he, he's probably stuck in the same old rut. Now he's looking at you and saying, "Oh my God, I'm jealous." So uh, you know, from, from where you've gone. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that that is a good point, and I I think it also leads to the fact that, in my opinion. A mentorship experience really should start from before a person starts getting their foot in that door to work. I mean, I know in companies I work for, we typically start the mentorship actually during the onboarding process where we introduce them, you know, in person if we can, or certainly if not, uh, you know, these days, uh, uh, you know, via Zoom or something. But we try to get the, you know, the mentor and the mentee introduced prior to that person even comes on. So that gets them excited during the onboarding stage. Uh, that's the one thing that I learned from my recruiting background, sadly, is uh, new employees are not new employees until they actually put their foot in the door on day one, because, you know, during that two weeks or whatever, they could be looking for something else. And, uh, you know, sadly, you, know, you get people that, uh, that fall off. So if you get them introduced and get them excited about the, the mentorship during the onboarding process, I think that goes a long way with getting them there and, and really putting them in that positive uh, frame of mind. I think so. I actually, you guys just made me think of this, the both of you. So usually from what I've experienced is the mentor chosen at a company, most of the time is someone who's very experienced, they've been there a while, and they're very successful. Do you think that there's a possibility? I mean, it obviously depends on the industry as well, but do you think there's a possibility that sometimes that person that's chosen, I mean, they're obviously chosen because they're very successful, but then they meet these new employees that could potentially be their competition one day, right? And they could, and so they're supposed to teach these new employees how to be just as good as them, and then potentially take their place, which I I know happens. It, do you think that's sometimes a reason why mentors almost like, and I, for lack of a better word, sabotage, try to sabotage a new employee or say negative things? Well, yeah, and that's an excellent, excellent point. And I think you're right. I mean, that's one of the qualities that would be a quality of a bad mentor, obviously, right. you know, one of the, the signs uh, you know, and one of the qualities of, of a good mentor is they a, have to be open to learn from this, uh, you know, the mentee as well. They have to be because nobody knows everything and nobody's perfect. So a, they have to obviously be open to learn from them. And B, it's just like a good leader. A good leader is going to hire someone that they know eventually is going to make them better and replace them. And they cannot be afraid of that. Just like somebody, you know, if I'm mentoring somebody, I have to give them my hopefully wealth of knowledge and I want to make them better than me. So eventually when I move up, they can move into my spot. So definitely that, that can sabotage a lot of relationships. And, uh, you know, you really can talk, it could lead us into another subject, which is obviously what, can the, the mentor learn, you know, from the mentee? Right. I, I like that. And I want to add to it too, because I, I do a lot of consulting with organizations that are just not healthy. They're led by fear. They're constantly trying to find ways to cut costs. So they look at the more experienced individuals and have them train the, the younger, um, younger employees and then lay off the more experienced individuals. So I agree with everything you said, Ron, but I want to also add the element of 
when an individual trusts the organization and trusts their leadership team, it's not, no longer a competition. You said earlier that you would want to develop them. So when you rise up in the chain, you, they're filling your role. But what about the individuals that don't see themselves rising up in the organization and instead they're in a toxic environment. They know that they can be cut any minute and these um, other individuals will take over. So that's why it's not just about the mentor. I know I would, I would not be happy if I was in that situation. It's about the culture, creating a healthy culture where people are motivated to help each other, to, to continue to support each other so everybody feels that they're being uplifted. Yeah, and that's an excellent point. And obviously in your you know, profession, you see a lot of this and, and you, know, you probably see a lot of the negativity. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure when companies, when you get out of companies, you alleviate a lot of these problems. You know, I have a lot of uh, HR friends in, in the local area through the Sherm chapter, a lot of uh, excellent contacts. And yeah, you are right. Talking with a lot of them, you know, you see a lot of uh, negativity. You see a lot of uh, worry about the future for themselves, the company, uh, especially now during the times, you know, of COVID where a lot of companies did have to, to downsize and make some very tough choices that people, you know, they weren't always popular. Uh, so I actually, and maybe you can even speak to this further, I, mean, I see a lot more of the negativity, sadly, these days uh, in a lot of companies and a lot of HR professionals that I talk to more so than even a lot of positive responses. And it doesn't mean that these individuals are negative. It's just the environment yeah. they're in is negative. So that's why talking about these things are so important. Developing good leaders that understand this information is so important because at the end of the day, it's not just about the bottom line. It is about how can we create a healthy environment that's nurturing and fulfilling for everybody. And I understand if the organization is not doing well and they have to let go of individuals, I get it. I get it. I'm a business person. I get it. But what I, what's difficult for me is when they have a whole plan of letting go of individuals uh, just because of even, even if they're meeting their, their expectations mm -hmm. and targets, it's just, just to be lean constantly and yeah. uh, creating fear within, within, the, within the organization. Yeah. Sure. Well, it's funny, you, the way you worded it there, like when Corey asked the question, you know, it was like, what do sometimes mentors do to sabotage the relationship? And to your point, I mean, the first thing that came to my mind is a lot of these companies are setting the mentors up really to fail because they're kind of sabotaging the process themselves, knowing that I'm going to have this person mentor and do all this work, knowing that uh, they don't have a very good future with the company and they could really be doing it as we talked about for their own replacement purposes. So they're kind of self-sabotaging the process. Yes. Yeah, so that's our first lesson. First lesson, take care of your mentors. Yeah. Take, uh, inspire them, keep them motivated, keep them enthusiastic feeling. Um, and they will do a great job helping the mentees. Because it seems like it's a vicious cycle. I mean, if you have a mentor that is negative and they're pushing that negative negativity onto your new employees, all that's going to happen is those new employees will just decide they don't want to come on board. And, and, to, and to anyone, it could seem as if they just aren't interested in the opportunity. And, and so how do you even realize that, it's negativity coming from the mentor that's pushing away your new hires. I feel like that would be a very difficult situation to realize that you're even in because it could, it could completely come off as if you're just not providing uh, a, a benefit or, you know, a salary or the job role that they're looking for and they thought they were, but then they don't like it once they just get started. So mm. I do, I, how do you recognize that? How do you even go about trying to figure that out? You hire someone like Dima to come in and, uh, and basically, yes, good recommendation and, and do an investigation. So I'll, I'll let her talk at that point. But the lot that I mentioned, I worked for a company and we had found out that a manager was being very negative, <clears throat> excuse me. And the way we found that out was actually we started doing surveys. Uh, of the, the mentorship experience. So we would survey the mentor and the mentee. And that's where we started to see a pattern with right. this one individual based on some of the survey results. So pretty much now we always incorporate that, uh, you know, into our program. So that way we can kind of evaluate and grade, so to speak, uh, the mentors and uh, see which ones want to 
you know, uh, uh, continue on with that and give their perks and benefits and which ones are not doing as well, though you want to try to, again, not punish, but get them out of that program. Ron, do you I, yeah. oh, sorry. I'm, I'm just going to add something real yeah, quick. Go ahead. I love everything you said, because what you're talking about is to create a more structured uh, mentorship program. A lot of organizations, they don't have it structured. They say, oh, we want our employees to feel free and our mentors to do their thing. And it just doesn't work. Um, it's just, there's no way to measure success. There's no way for you to know if the mentees are really receiving value. Um, so I, I agree. I'm gonna, I said, Corey, I said real quick and I was not too honest. So because I, I just remembered the story too. Because the content that's being covered in this session is so important. And some of the mentors, they may be subject matter experts, but they may not even know how to mentor someone else. They may not have the soft skills. But also I'll share with you uh, two examples not related to the soft skills, but things that when I look back, I remember related to two of my mentors. One of them, he, he was bringing religion a lot. He's a very religious man. And, um, and in our mentorship and mentoring sessions, sometimes it felt like he was preaching. He was trying to have me change my religion in our, in our mentorship sessions. So it was, it was <laughs> interesting. Um, and then the other one, she, uh, she was my director and we would have our mentorship sessions, but she, it wasn't, it wasn't conversation about my career and my growth. It felt like we we're just having coffee and talking about our lives. And, uh, that was like, to me, she's investing her hour, but I was looking at that hour and I'm like, that's a waste of my time because I did not feel that I was gaining value. I wasn't, I wasn't feeling that she was truly looking at me and saying, Dima, this is what I'm realizing. You need to think about this. Of course, I would bring topics related to it, but it's mainly talking about her vacation and the new wine she tried. And that is so tricky. It's an investment from the mentor, but also from the mentee. And that's why we need to ensure we're giving them, both of them are giving value to each other. Yeah, I agree. And I, what I just real quick, what I was going to ask Ron, if you would, could you give us a step-by-step you know, how does that process work? You onboard, then they start with their mentor, correct? Yeah, that's and part of their- how long yeah. are they with the mentor? A lot of it really depends on the relationship. You know, you want to have a structured, as, as Dima said, but the one thing I don't like to put is a, a time structure on things, you know, things by saying, okay, I want you to do this for a certain amount of hours per week. We actually put, we put like goals in place. So we, this is the goal that we want you to try to accomplish during the onboarding. Uh, this is a goal that we want you to try to accomplish during the person's orientation period when they come on board. Uh, this is the goals that, and again, because they're going to vary. Some of the roles are white collar. Some of the roles are blue collar. So a lot of like, especially the blue collar roles are a lot more involved time-wise in, in many cases than the white collar roles, just because of the technical aspect of the machinery or the profession. So we actually break it down over time, okay? From, you know, once the orientation's done to three months, this is what we wanna see accomplished. From three months to six months. So we actually break it down time frame wise like that. Some of them could last a year. Some of them could go on longer than that. Uh, some of these folks, and I, I think depending, you know, what, what we have time wise, we're gonna talk about sponsorship. Some of these folks develop such close bonds that they carry it on themselves even after the quote unquote formal, uh, you know, mentoring may be, may be done. And so after the, and then once they hit their goal for their mentorship, do you, do you do the survey with just the employees that continue on with your company? Or do you also survey the employees that might've come in, they started their mentorship and then they decided to leave? Yeah, what we've started doing now is we, we start the surveys actually early in the process. So that way, if there are any negatives or any issues, we can try to nip them in the bud. Uh, and then we'll do multiple surveys. It's not just one, you know, at the end. Uh, typically, we're going to do at least two or three, depending on the time frame. So if there are issues, we can catch them early and correct them. And then, of course, at the end, our goal at the end is that they're always going to be positive because any issues that would have arose, uh, we've already taken care of. I think that's great. Dima, do you see that a lot of companies do that type of, you know, surveying to get feedback on their mentorship? 
it just depends on the on the organization. So uh, the ones that are committed and the ones that want to make sure that it absolutely works, yes. Um, but others, they they just again think that um, they can connect mentor and mentee and say, go figure it out. And um, yeah, it just really depends on how committed they are. So I, I can't tell you a lot. It's just it's a mix of both. Okay. And the sad thing is, you know, on the same subject, and I would want to tie into Dima's first uh, example where, where, you know, she had a mentor that she said really tried to change her as far as like religion and so on. Sadly, what we find in some cases is the mentorship experience uh, gets off on the wrong foot or uh, maybe doesn't start in some cases because when we bring a, let's say a diverse candidate in, you have some, you know, mentors that might have some, you know, prejudices, they might have some, you know, uh, wrong stereotypical views, whether it's of a, a religion, uh, you know, skin color, uh, ethnicity, whatever the case might be. And they're like, oh, I don't, I don't want to deal with this person. So um, obviously that tells you a lot about that person and, you know, they're, they're not going to be the right person. So a lot of times you can really get a lot of that out of the way and stop that in the beginning, because unfortunately a lot of people uh, are afraid of diversity. Uh, and you want to give a diverse candidate an experience with someone that is not like them so that they can mentor them and take them under the wings and help them grow. And they can have a shared experience where the, the mentor is also learning about the culture and the diversity aspects of the mentee. And it makes that person a lot stronger and a more, you know, whether it's a better mentor, or better manager. Uh, so uh, that's an important issue when it comes to mentoring, because if you want to keep uh, diversity candidates, it's important that the relationship certainly gets off, uh, you know, on the right foot. Yeah, I am, I'm so glad you mentioned that. And I see it a lot. Uh, I hear it a lot where individuals would say, I am not comfortable mentoring this other person. They're, they're different than me. I don't feel that I can relate or connect with them. And what happens is we end up having uh, individuals from minority groups not having the advantage that other, the majority group are getting. Uh, because when you think about it, who, who tends to um, be the mentors? The executives, the individuals in management role. I know we talked earlier that regardless of the age, people can be mentors, but in, on, in general, at least the places I see so individual from minority groups are missing out. But also in addition to all of that, like after the Me Too movement, a lot of men and told me directly where they would say, I'm not, I'm not gonna mentor any woman. I am not comfortable to having a woman come to my office and mentor her or take her for coffee because wow. I am I'm worried that she's gonna uh, go back and say uh, uh, bad things about, about me and that would hurt the organization. So that, that had a really negative effect on a lot of women that they were not getting the, the guidance. And of course, it makes no sense um, that the whole message that has been shared, but also it gives uh, another element where as women, we need to be very intentional in mentoring other women too. So if there are some men are uncomfortable, it's so wrong, but if that's the case, that's why we need to go above and beyond and mentoring uh, the next generation of women. I agree. I, I'm shocked to hear that. I mean, yeah, I'm shocked yeah, and I agree with you. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was told uh, to me directly by executives, but also I've heard that from panelists in a conference, they were on a panel discussion oh, and um, they were talking about this. Yeah. Goodness. You know, you know, obviously diversity in hiring is very important for, for a number of reasons, and that's not the topic. But, you know, my background, most of my experience has been on the blue collar side, working for you know, construction environments, manufacturing environments. And unfortunately, especially in, in many cases, you know, where you maybe have union type environments, you get a lot of the folks that maybe have been with the unions for a while or in those industries for a while that have a lot of preconceived notions, a lot of prejudices, and a lot of times. Times they think that maybe a minority or diverse candidate was just be hired because of that diversity status. So yeah. sadly, you know, you have a lot of folks in those industries that already have a negative connotation. Uh, and, and, and again, are going to have a hard time not only mentoring, but leading and working on a job site. So yeah, it is definitely a, a, a serious problem uh, that can hinder many things, not just the, the mentoring aspect. Right. And I, you know, I, I don't know as much as you two, but Personally, I don't even feel like a mentor would always need to be 
the most experienced person you have at your company or the person that's been there the longest. To me, if I were a new employee, I almost feel like I'd want to be mentored by someone that's maybe been there, you know, six months to a year because they still remember what it was like to be a new employee and what they struggled with and what they can keep you from struggling with versus someone that's been there 10 plus years, they don't remember. And even if they do, it's not going to be nearly the same as when they started. So and it could be intimidating too, to the yeah. new hires. Um, so what you're talking about, is called a buddy program. So you're, you're matched with a buddy and that individual is usually, as you said, has been with the organization for six months to a year and your buddy would be helping you get more comfortable uh, being in the organization. If you, if an, if a person uh, is worried to ask questions that they're worried that it is, uh, you know, like stupid questions. You know, some people, they're not comfortable to ask questions. They assume that they're not smart, but you, with your buddy, you're more comfortable talking about that. And what also we need to keep in mind, it doesn't have to be that you only have one mentor. Maybe you have one that helps you with the technical skills, another one that helps you with the soft skills, another one that helps you with your career path, another one who's your buddy. So, uh, so that's something we need to think about. And uh, so it doesn't have to be one. Like, right. that's, that's where, like, I tell people, think of them as if they are your board of directors. You know, with organizations, they have their board of directors, and each one, they're bringing skills that are so important for whether it is uh, the company or the nonprofit. The same thing with us. We, we need to have our board of directors because there's certain individuals that they bring uh, important qualities and skills that would help us to grow. So don't just have one. Have as long as the others are willing to invest the time, accept it, be open to it. Yeah, excellent point. Uh, and like I said, you certainly try to do that as much as you can. Uh, again, in my world, it is a little bit tough at times, sadly, to be able to have that effectiveness, you know, as far as the, the multiple mentors because of the skill set. You know, there are some skill sets that we, that we have in our company that maybe only one or two people know how to do. Um, so you have to keep relying on those same individuals. Uh, and a lot of them don't always have the great skills to actually be a, be a mentor. Um, so yeah, and, and I, what we found, especially now in, in these lovely COVID times, uh, with some people working from home, some people working from the office to really get that structured. Cause some of ours, like in our engineering group and design group, we do have multiple mentors where we will let, you know, each person kind of sell their particular knowledge set, their particular skill set. Uh, but again, the a problem we find now is when you're trying to rotate, rotate people in and out, uh, you know, from live work in the office to Zoom, uh, certainly have a lot more challenges. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm so scared about your organization based on what you described, because if uh, one or the two people who have the knowledge got COVID or something happened to them, it doesn't sound like you have enough succession planning <laughs> for yeah, the knowledge. Areas, you're right. Yes. It's, in some of the technical areas, you know, we try to uh, cross train, but again, it, it is many cases, it's a big drop off, uh, you know, between let's say, you know, individual A and B, and then maybe individual C that's, that's being trained there and something that we certainly uh, have recognized to try to work with, but uh, it's not always an easy path. <laughs> yeah. Not what are some good, uh, you know, good mentorship uh, stories you have from your experiences or maybe bad ones that you can share, maybe help prevent them from happening again. <laughs> okay, yeah. Ron, start. <laughs> He's got a lot. I can I've tell already, he's funny. Unfortunately, it seems like I've always already shared just only bad ones. So uh, <laughs> well, that's okay. it's not a good thing. But, uh, you know, as far as a positive experience was, uh, you know, we had a, uh, we hire a lot of interns. So the first thing when these interns do, you know, they're in college, they're, they're studying, uh, in many cases, design, they're studying engineering, and they always get, uh, you know, hooked up, so to speak, with, with a mentor. Uh, and our goal, and when we know that something is being done successfully, is that, they're going through their internship. We try to get them usually to start at the end of their sophomore years. Um, and, and again, you know, any goal is you're putting, you know, Dima talks about the bottom line, you're putting money into an individual. So if you're, you're working with somebody, you're putting the time and effort to, to mentor them, to pay them, to learn your company secrets, to learn your technologies. Our goal is to hopefully have them come back again at the end of their junior year. 
uh, and then usually again, give them uh, another area that they can focus on and give them another mentor. And then the third step of that, again, of a, of a positive experience is then once they actually graduate, then we hire them. So we can really take a look at, in many cases, uh, you know, our experience being positive when we take these young interns and, you know, one year, two year, whatever the time frame is later, they are now a permanent employee of ours. Yeah. And we've had many success stories from, uh, you know, uh, local colleges for our designers and engineers that were our interns are, and are still with us, you know, three, four, five years later, uh, you know, yeah. on a full-time basis uh, as, as full-time people. And again, some of them are, are now mentoring uh, the, the other college kids that are coming in for internships. So that's, that's a good way, at least a my environment that we can you know really find out what's worked and what the positive stories are that's so great i think that's well, wonderful and in my situation i i shared earlier some bad examples but i have wonderful mentors um as well so um so one of them he used to be my manager and after um i moved to another department he still was so invested in my growth and uh, made time for us to meet every month and discuss uh, my career, my vision, how I'm doing, challenges I'm having. So, uh, and this is linked to something I know we're, we, we, we talked about when we first met the first time, which is he turned from being a manager to a mentor to a sponsor. And uh, the sponsor is, and when I see it, is the individual that opens doors. So mentor is mainly you're talking about uh, situation, you're, you're helping the mentee with their own self-discovery, um, highlighting uh, um, weaknesses or areas for improvement. But the sponsor is the one who um, opens the doors and who connects the mentees with the right individuals that would result in more doors being opened. And that, that's what happened with the situation. So because of him, um, and of course I work so hard, but he, he, he helped me be a better employee, but also he opened doors for promotion for me. And as a result, um, I look back and I will always be grateful for him. Yeah, and that's a great point. That's a great example. And, and sponsorship is something that uh, is actually, it can be a step even and more effective than, than a mentorship. I and mean, when you think, at least in my opinion, when you think of a mentorship, you think of, okay, we have this individual that we're going to pair with this individual. I don't want to use the word force because they're not forced, but this is the person from the company that's going to represent. And this is the person that's coming in where a sponsorship is people that really have developed the relationship over time. It's become, you know, more obviously work-related, more personal, more respectful. So those folks actually, you know, will join together at their own quote-unquote free will because they want to do it. They respect each other. And it certainly can go a lot longer and a lot further than a typical mentorship and, and have a lot more value. So yeah, anytime you can get to that sponsorship level, you know, as Dima mentions, that's going to be a lot more uh, a, a positive long-term uh, effect for the company. Yeah. And I know a lot of people would go to an individual and say, would you be my mentor? Just like, would you be my mommy? The book. <laughs> uh, but with the sponsor, you can't go to someone and say, would you be my sponsor? It requires a lot of uh, trust and it requires a lot of um, time investment from the mentee to ensure that he or she, they're, they're taking the time to meet with the mentor uh, applying uh, what what the advice, proving themselves, constantly challenging themselves. So it's not it's not just that you go to someone and say, "Can you be my sponsor?" It is going to require like the sponsor needs to see effort to to even be willing to sponsor that individual because the mentor really like you're meeting with them for for an hour having conversation. That's one thing. But when you're putting your reputation on the line, recommending an individual for a promotion, that's a whole different thing. Right. Good point. Good point. You know, another thing that I would like to, to bring up as well is that, you know, like in my case, as I mentioned earlier, um, I really, sadly, you know, at my companies did not have mentors because I was kind of thrust into a role that I had to take over and, and really learn, you know, on the job, so to speak, and learn through experience. So, 
you know, most of my mentors were outside of my organization. And, you know, I think a lot of times when you talk about even maybe like, you know, millennials or, or, or Generation Z, it can be very effective where you actually could have mentors, not necessarily within your company, that could really bond with these individuals, people that maybe myself as an HR person know and respect that I know will actually do a good job representing, you know, uh, the profession that they're in, uh, do a good job with the mentorship, with the training. So especially in a lot of white collar professions, you can really do a lot of mentorship, I feel, with people outside of your organization. Uh, you know, the, the, you know, the millennials, the Generation Z, they like to do podcasts, they like to do, you know, a lot of social media. That can be a, a very effective platform, <laughs> I feel, to do some of that as well when they maybe can't physically even be in the same building. I agree. Uh, and I think that mentorship also, I think it's important to keep in mind for companies that I think the mentorship uh, structure, strategy, and everything, it has to change with the generations that you're bringing in as your new employees. And, and I don't think that that always happens because I have been in past places I've worked at the mentoring uh the way that your mentor is chosen, the system in which your mentor teaches you and guides you seems to be the same, whether they, no matter if they're mentoring a fresh out of college 22 year old or someone uh, in their forties that's decide they want to have a career change. I don't think it's the same. I don't think you should treat the two as the same, but I do think that happens a lot. Yeah. And I, I agree, Corey. I want to, uh, before you look like you're ready to move to the next topic, but before we do that, I want to no, go, go back to, uh, to some points that Ron was making about the generations, which are so important. So millennials and Gen Zers, mentorship and career growth is so important for them. And they want to feel that the organization is investing in their, in their growth. And they, want, they, they ask for mentors. They want guidance. They want someone to provide them with, uh, with help. It doesn't mean that they have to copy the old methods, but you know, someone to, want, someone to walk with them and share with them advice. So this is important for any organization who, that's having challenges retaining millennials and Gen Zers. Don't, don't stop and say, oh, they're so lazy, they're entitled, which are horrible things that they are said, and I disagree yeah. with. I love millennials, and I love Gen Zers. Instead, look at the organization and say, what, what career development programs do we have for them? Um, are we talking, are, are we offering a, uh, a talent pipeline, leadership development programs? Are we offering them uh, mentorship uh, let's look at the culture overall. Is it, if they're, if the millennials are leaving, this tells me that the culture is toxic. Uh, so maybe that is a place where, where we, it's like um, a symptom. Uh, uh, so if, if you're seeing a lot of these millennials, millennials leaving, it's a symptom that there's just something missing. And maybe my generation, I'm an Xer or the boomers, we, we accepted that because, you know, we had other priorities, but millennials want to be mentored. They want to see uh, professional growth. And that is so important. So that takes our conversation from being, you know, it's nice to have, do a mentorship program. It's, it's cool. Oh, to something where it is essential for business and it is essential for retention. Um, so that's what I want the, our audience to, to, to leave with. It's not you just like, oh, the, we're, we're going we're gonna to be you know, a good organization and be so kind to offer a mentorship program. No, you want to retain great talent. You want to attract wonderful talent, have a very, very good um, mentorship and career, career advancement programs. Well, yeah, and I that's an excellent point. And you, you mentioned you, you kind of joked a little bit earlier, seriously, about my company that we have some positions that, you know, we have a hard time getting the mentors. And, uh, and obviously, that's why, to your point, it's very important you have a mentorship program. Else, when somebody that is experienced that leaves, you're not going to have somebody to fill back, you know, backfill their spot. Uh, and, and, and Corey, you brought up an excellent point as far as, uh, you know, the millennials and Gen Z, they don't really want mentorship, so to speak, done the same way. They want it differently. Uh, you know, like I mentioned, they want to use more technology. They want to use maybe more social media, more so-called experts even that are outside of a, 
of a company. But Dima had brought up earlier about using multiple mentors. The, I find that the millennials and the Gen, D, Gen Z, they don't like to stay with a particular individual for too long of a period of time. They like more of a rotational type of approach where maybe I have this person for three months, this person for three months, this person. And again, that gets them more invested in the company. It gets them to see a lot more different career paths and individuals. So you definitely, it's needed uh, to Dima's point. You have to have it. I don't really think there's much debate on that these days. Uh, and again, the more exciting, the more diverse you can make it for them, uh, the, but the better off you're going to retain these individuals. You're absolutely right. More casual as well. Yeah. Sorry, Corey. I keep, oh, that's okay. I'm so excited. I keep interrupting you. Go no, ahead. go ahead. Keep interrupting. That's fine. I was just going to say, I mean, as a millennial, I can say that I, I feel like in my, even my friends, it, it is a different generation in that I think that they are, millennials are anxious to learn as much as they can from everybody. Like you said, Ron, they want to know what this person does that makes them successful. And then what does this person do that makes them su successful? Because in their head, if they can take all of that and put it on to themselves, they're going to be way more successful than all of those people. And it, it's a, it's a competitive strategy, but it's, it's, it's very smart, I think, in a sense. And I also feel like millennials, they, I do think there's unfortunately a lot of places, um, they don't provide a mentorship uh, program or structure. And, and then millennials don't know where to turn as to, you know, how do I get that mentorship um, experience? Or who can I ask questions? I, this is coming straight from me. I've been in many positions where I wanted someone that I could ask questions to that I felt their answers were correct and helpful. And, you know, actually coming from someone successful and the, so having to search around to find that person it, it's really, it shouldn't be that way. They should know who is the person I go to when I need to learn. Who is the person that can tell me how to do this? Or who is the person that can really just provide some emotional support when I'm frustrated? I mean, that should all be provided and you shouldn't have to go search. You shouldn't have to ask for uh, feedback, which I think happens often. A lot of times millenn millennials seem to me to want feedback more often than your standard six months or annual um, overview, they really seem, myself included, I'm, I want feedback very regularly. Mm -hmm. If I had a feedback session every two weeks, I'd be very happy with that because things change so much. And the longer I'm doing something that could be improved to me is like, I have failed for doing because I've done it for so long and I could have improved it. So I do think that's, you know, that should be taken in consideration that it's a totally different mindset, I think, that the Gen Z and millennials have. Yeah. Well, that's why adapting to change and respecting people that are different is so important. So what we're talking about right now is diversity and inclusion. Um, it is, and it's a generational diversity age diversity, which is, which is important. And I know uh, in my situation, you talked about every six months review. It used to be once a year, but the company became so generous and they offered the mid-year review. And the challenge is some employees may think that they're doing a great job all year long and then they got shocked by yeah. the end of the year where the manager is not happy with their performance. That's why I love when you're talking about we need constant input. And I know some organizations, they're even creating apps right now that would where the manager would be able to provide more consistent input and you, you log into the app and you see what the manager, what the project manager is, um, is thinking about your latest, latest interaction or something. Uh, so I, I agree with you. And even though this is, um, to some people, it's too foreign. And uh, to them, it may be not important. And they're like, oh, millennials, they just want constant input. We don't have time for that. <laughs> that's why we need to adapt. And that's why that the newer generations are bringing very positive things that we missed out on when we, yeah. when we were where you are right now. Yeah. yeah. Right. E excellent points. Where I work at now, we have, uh, we created about two years ago, something called our career track program. And it does to your point, Corey, where it's part of the uh, orientation. It's part of your uh, onboarding. It's part of your mentoring. And basically what we do is uh, every position, 
It doesn't matter what it is, white collar, blue collar, you're getting reviewed at four months, eight months, 12 months, and then 18 and 24 months as you go through your process, you go through your different programs, the mentorship is a big part of that. So what better selling point can there be that you're gonna get uh, frequent reviews and if you're doing a good job and it's deserved, you could actually get a salary increase at four months, eight months, 12 months. Yeah. I don't know of many other companies here, especially in our local area that are doing that. And our, our retention is, is, is really improved by about 33% since wow. we started this. Wow. Um, and again, the, the, the attitude is a lot more positive among the individuals because it gives them something to shoot for that, hey, I could be with the company for a year and I'm already going to get three raises. And I'm already going to get, a, you know, I have a track where I can be with my mentor. I know in a year I could hear or 18 months I could be here. So to your point, yeah, it's really helped, especially with a lot of the, you know, the younger folks. Wow. I love what your organization is doing. Yeah, so we're not perfect, but uh, that's one program that, that's, that's been really very effective for us. And I, I want to throw this out there because I do feel like what I do day to day is it's a different type of structure for an employee. So I'm not really with my, from what I, what I do. I mean, I do benefits. I work with different clients. For people that work with different clients on a day to day basis, you're not really with your managers day to day. So it's hard for them to give you that feedback and really mentor you. And so what I've started to do, or I've done it for a while, but I've really started to make it more systematic is I ask every business I work with, what did I do that you think could have been done differently? What could I do that you really loved? You know, would you have changed anything for next year? What do you think we should change? I ask them that every single time we have a meeting or every time we do open enrollment because they are my mentors. They are my managers in a sense. They, they're not really my managers, but in a sense they are. They give me that feedback because they're the ones that I see and work with day to day. Mm -hmm. So I, I do feel like that's important to know for people that aren't in the same office every day, the same work environment. They don't have their um, manager looking over what they do. They don't, you know what, they're probably wondering, well, how do I get that feedback? How do I get that mentorship when I'm kind of in, independent? in a sense. And I think that's a lot of job roles now, especially with working remote. Yeah. That requires a lot of confidence. And I want to compliment you for what you're doing because a lot of other people may not feel comfortable uh, to do that. And so great job. Thank you. Yeah. So this is wonderful. And you know what, as you were speaking, of course, I was listening to what you're saying, but it also made me realize how important in the onboarding process to bring up these things. Some people like mentees, they don't know what to do in a mentorship session. They don't know that they can go to the stakeholders and ask for their input and ask for, so in your situation, you're just so creative, you're smart, you are, you're courageous, but not everybody is comfortable to do that or know that it's okay to do that. Right. They that's don't why, know okay. That's why in the onboarding, uh, it's so important to, to talk about these things and um, in a way, giving permission to the, to the new hires of that this is okay. You can, you can do it. You can ask the clients of how, how things are going, but also give them guidance on what they, what, how to prepare for a mentorship session. Like in my situation, I'll share with you a story. Um, I joined IBM in 2004. And one of the things I was required to do, I was part of a two year leadership development program. And we were just eight individuals from all around the US. And we were asked that we need to contact the executives within IBM and schedule mentorship sessions with them. Well, I never did that before. So I contacted the assistant for the chief procurement officer and I requested a meeting with him. So he, we had our meeting and like, he was wonderful. He joined on time and he, he, uh, he accepted to, to meet with me uh, and it was supposed to be for an hour. That's what I had on my calendar. So when we got on the call, he said, okay, well, tell me about yourself. And I said, I'm Dima and just finished my MBA and excited to join. And it took less than like, took maybe a minute. Um, and then he said, okay, you have a whole hour. What would you like to talk about? <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, I did not have. <laughs> I don't know what I would have said then. Yeah. So, uh, and of course, it's very intimidating 
having somebody in that role. But if we teach the mentees to, to prepare, we teach them the kind of questions they can ask, what to expect from a call like this, um, how to communicate effectively when they are presenting themselves. Because I had to introduce myself to the chief procurement officer of IBM. So if I mess up my introduction, if it doesn't come across as confident, that's going to be negative visibility for me instead of something positive. So that's, that's something for us to think about. Like it's taking it to a whole different level. But I know a lot of people, they in order for them to have good relationship and good mentorship, um, they, we, need, we need to give them the basics. Not everybody comes with the basics. I finished my MBA and had that call and I still did not know what to, what to talk about and what to ask. Yeah. Wow. And that's where the structure is, is important. Uh, that's where, you know, you mentioned, you know, not knowing who to go to, you know, part of our, you know, uh, mentorship and onboarding is really going over all of the subject matter experts in every area. So people don't have to wonder, who do I go to for this? Who do I go to for that? It's part of the onboarding. It's part of the mentorship. You know, we try to put, uh, you know, keep it loose so that they can have flexibility, especially for, again, the millennials and Gen Z seem to like that, but you want to have enough structure so they know what they can do, what to ask, what the guidelines are, you know, where they can see themselves in a particular period of time and, and obviously get the great value uh, you know, from, the, from the learning. I agree. And, and do you feel, uh, Ron, do you feel like your peers, you mentioned some of your HR peers in the area, do you find that they also offer a mentorship uh, structured program like you do? Or yeah, I mean, there's still a lot more that could certainly do it. Um, right. you know, one of the things that we do in the local, uh, our local SHRM chapter, like I mentioned, the PHRA, um, where we have excellent training. We have, uh, you know, training pretty much weekly, uh, again, whether it's in the, in the old days, uh, in person, uh, and, and now more, you know, be a, a virtual in Zoom. And I know we have, uh, mentorship is a topic that is very important to a lot of the companies. We've had a great deal of training on that. So I think that the, you know, the, the local SHRM chapter here in Pittsburgh has realized the importance of that. And that's, and that's something that, uh, you know, usually at our, uh, you know, annual conferences or at some of our smaller mini conferences, it's going to at least be a, a topic for one speaker. So they definitely recognize the value and a lot of improvements have been made in that area. That's wonderful. I, I so switch the topic on you just a little bit. I know when we spoke prior to this podcast, you both mentioned reverse mentorship. And I really am anxious to hear you know, a description of that and you know how that works, because I don't think a lot of people even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's basically where it's, it's a win-win for everybody. I mean, you know, most people think of a mentorship and it's the junior person learning from the, the senior person. So, you know, a, a reverse mentorship is everybody wins because everybody learns. Uh, the mentees have a lot to share, whether it's technology that maybe the more experienced individual is not as familiar with. Maybe it's, again, if it's a diverse candidate, it's some of their culture or some of their, you know, upbringing that, uh, you know, the mentor maybe has not been familiar with that they can learn even a lot just from a value uh, or a cultural perspective, uh, but I mean, for for a mentorship to work, it's got to it's got to be a win win for both, and that's what's really meant by the reverse mentorship. That the mentor is gaining just as much, and is quote unquote winning just as much as as the mentee is. Yes, yeah, and um, when I think right now about things re topics related to culture, topics related to you you mentioned uh, diversity and equity and inclusion, where the executives. It is for their benefit to meet with their employees and get the input from their employees and guidance of what they need to do in order to create a healthier culture, um, in order to increase engagement, in order to tell these executives why are people leaving, why it is difficult to, to uh, attract the right talent. So when I think about it, somehow we are all mentors, regardless yeah. of our uh, background, expertise, gender, uh, all, all of that. We are all mentors. We all have something to offer. And, uh, and the smart executives are the one that utilizes that, where they are seeing the, the value that each individual has and get to talk to them and learn from them. The best thing about this, in addition to learning, it's building trust. So when I feel I am comfortable to sit with the leader of my department or even the CEO of a company, if I'm working for a company, I, I, and that person is curious about me and my opinion, 
I'm going to, I'm going to like that person more. I would want to do a better job for the organization as a result, because I feel that I'm being heard. Um, So that's, that's part of the reason, instead of these individuals thinking they know it all and, and they're, they're just passing um, orders to everybody else. No, it's collaborative environment. It's a learning mindset where we're all learning something from each other. Yeah. And sadly, and I certainly don't want to get political, but uh, to me, I think our, our, we live in a, a world now that it is somewhat sad because you have your red on one side, you have your blue on the other side, and there's really not much in between. And I look for a, a company as really, and again, especially a strong mentorship program. If you get a lot of diverse candidates uh, and get that win-win that I was talking about going, I look at companies as a way that can bridge a lot of that gap and educate and hopefully maybe even in the long run, if this company does it and this company and this company and this company, maybe things from an overall perspective uh, God willing, can, could, could improve as well. So we've got a long way to go. <laughs> we have a long way to go. Yeah. Well, I think you answered all of my questions, and I, I feel like you probably answered everyone else's. But I think this was wonderful and extremely educational and helpful for me, and I'm sure for everyone else. And I hope it gave other HR professionals more ideas and suggestions on how they can structure their mentorship program or create one or that they need to create one if they don't have one. Uh, I really appreciate both of your time. Uh, thank you for coming on. Our pleasure. Thank you for and great job uh, mentoring everybody on all your podcasts. So thank you. <laughs> Dima, it was a pleasure and an honor. Thank you very much.